Welcome to Spiritual Psychotherapy. My name is Mia, or officially Dr. Mary Patricia Quinn-Livin, and this podcast is all about discussing challenges that are everyday difficult challenges for all of us. And it's about you being able to join in, and I would love you to send me in questions that I can address on the podcast. Or you can join me live for a podcast interview that's recorded. And you can look all this up on my website, which is livingawarenesswa.com, or my Facebook page, which is Living Awareness WA. It's really about addressing our everyday life challenges from the perspective of our heart or our God voice or our intuitive voice instead of reacting as we often tend to do from our ego mind and our fear and old conditioning. So I have a beautiful question sent in today from Michelle and it's a great question because it's so common. So I'll read it out to you. After many years of peeling back unwanted conditioning, I still struggle with a tendency to put others before myself especially so with family. I will make sacrifices and inconvenience myself before allowing them to be inconvenienced. I sense that this is an obstacle to experiencing my true self and peace. Can you comment, please? And I'm sure all of you will hear that question and relate to it in many ways because we've all done it and I've definitely done it as well. And in fact, there's still for me a little bit of room to get better at that, although I'm much better than I once was. And I've got two terms that I use in therapy a lot. And one is, I call it people pleasing. And one is, if we take a little bit further, I call it people carrying. And really, for people pleasing, it's about this tendency to feel that We want to do the right thing by people, we don't want to disappoint people, that perhaps we have a duty to look after people and also we don't want to rock the boat, we don't want to face conflict, we don't want to say no, you know, and so we tend to be so aware of other people's needs and doing things that will mm, bring us approval or fit with our habit or our conditioning, which is this is our duty, that we forget to even notice our own feelings or what we need. And you know, very much this is, it's not something to judge. In any condition that we notice in ourselves, it's great to be honest about it and to acknowledge it and then to treat it with great compassion because none of us have meant to develop our conditioning. It's just been part of our experience, part of our life. Quite often our parents have demonstrated the same thing. We've learnt that as part of our role as a child. Culturally as well, there are many cultures where women in particular are expected to be the person that looks after the family. That's their duty. And men as well sometimes are very much caught in that. And I'm sure many of you would know or be in cultures where you have experienced that. And there is an extent, which I mentioned earlier, um, that goes even further where we take a real sense of responsibility 
like it's our responsibility to fix or save or rescue others. And that's actually not the case. Everyone is responsible for their own health. Everyone is responsible for their own healing and their emotion. I've got this beautiful saying on the wall of my room here and it says, it is not our task to solve another's problems or take away another's pain. All lessons in life are necessary and produce growth and therefore joy. And that's from Letters from the Cosmos. And what's that really saying? And it's about that everything that we are experiencing is a learning opportunity, is an opportunity for growth. So it's not that another person is responsible for taking away our suffering or dealing with our emotion. Yes, we can use others as guides. Yes, we can ask for support. But really, it is up to us to learn from what we are experiencing. So if we put ourselves in the rescuer role and we want to mm, continuously be fixing another human, there are many issues that that has. One is that it keeps them in a, a dependent state. It tends to foster a type of codependency. We're being codependent. They're being dependent. It can keep them caught in victimhood. It doesn't enable people to grow from what they're learning. And something that, in fact, Michelle said, she answered her own question in a really beautiful, really perceptive manner. She said, thinking I have to save someone reinforces their weakness. And that's exactly what it does. If we are doing too much for another or thinking we have to rescue or thinking we have to save, we are not trusting, we are not empowering them to discover their own innate wisdom and find their way forward through life in a manner that's wholesome for them. So we're disempowering them. And all of this doesn't mean that if someone actually comes and asks us for our advice that we can't give it. Of course we can. It's just that if we are wanting to give advice or wanting to do things for other people or wanting to fix and rescue other people without them asking, then we are, as I said, disempowering them. We're fostering dependence. We're perhaps sometimes enabling victimhood. We're not allowing them to empower themselves and discover their own wisdom. And more than that, you know, if we are in a role where we're forever telling someone that they should be something other than what they are at this moment, that's actually going to make them feel not good enough and not okay. And that's not going to empower their journey forward. So it's much more about allowing them to be as they are, but also not taking on this role of fixing, enabling, carrying, or even just pleasing. And, you know, in my experience as a therapist, I've noticed that, you know, many of us are people pleasers, you know, that tendency to want to do the right thing by people, to receive a approval, to not say no, to not face conflict or bring up something that's difficult. There's only a small percentage or a smaller percentage that take it that little bit further and feel really responsible. So you can listen in and, and discover what it is that you do. Or it may be 
but only with some people, with family members particularly, that you have that overdeveloped sense of responsibility. And, you know, I know from myself, you know, I've done both, pleasing and caring. And when I was pleasing, you know, it eroded my self-esteem and people didn't appreciate it. When you do too much for people, A, they will chew you up, use you up and spit you out. They don't appreciate what you do because you're so willing to give it all the time. In fact, you're giving it when they don't necessarily want it as well. So, you know, it's not helping either of you. It's a very draining situation. And to be able to bring up those things that are or may create a bit of conflict, to be able to say no to something, to be able to tell someone you don't want to do something or or even perhaps a certain behaviour, you know, to say that that's something that you um, find difficult, even though you might be accepting them, who they are and where they come from, to be able to stand up for yourself in situations is hugely important. And if we're not able to do that, then we're not being authentic to ourselves. And that's going to be erosive to our self-esteem. And I've seen so many situations in either in relationships or in work situations where clients have said, you know, this is happening and that's happening and we've talked about whether they have actually been allowing it or whether they have actually said something in a firm but compassionate manner to prevent what's happening, to stand up for themselves and very often discover that people aren't really being authentic, aren't being firm. You know, one of the things we all need to learn more than anything is tough love. And I'm not saying that we don't need to be a loving, kind human. And take the example, say, of a boss who is perhaps micromanaging because they have a lot of fear and anxiety and they're not giving us any independence. And what's useful to do is to recognise that that person has a lot of their own fear, that's why they're so controlling. And once you recognise that, then you can hold them with a lot more compassion. But it doesn't mean that you don't stand up for yourself and say, in some manner that's firm and compassionate, and you can find the words, in some manner to express that this doesn't feel okay for you, that you want to have a little more freedom and independence and you know that you can do a great job if you're given that. And it also helps when you are learning first to stand up to something or to say the hard stuff. It helps to practice it at home. And Isaira once told me, you do it in a love sandwich. I'm sure many of you have heard of that. So you say something, you know, positive and wholesome, like I really appreciate your input and I have a lot of respect for what you do. You know, this is to your boss, I'm saying, for the boss example. And then you express, you know, what you want to express about having a little bit more independence and then you say but you know I really do value your input and I really enjoy working with you and respect what you do so you're saying what you need to say in a manner that's kind that's compassionate that's understanding that this boss isn't meaning to be a difficult human they're just caught in a lot of their own fear their fear of failure and but you are still expressing what you need to express and Sometimes you find when you do, when you stop being a people pleaser and you do start standing up for yourself, in fact, it is quite terrifying. And this is one of the things that stops us from changing our habit of being a people pleaser is that we're scared. We think we're going to be disapproved of. We think 
people won't like it. We think they'll pull back from us. And, you know, oddly, you'll find, first of all, people won't react anywhere near as badly as you think. Ultimately, they will respect you. It may happen that their ego is a little bit dented. But if you just stay true to what you have to say and what you believe in, but you also stay warm to them. So you keep saying hello, you keep, you know, asking them how their day is. They'll come round. And and what happened for me when I was learning this process many years ago was that as I started to stand up for myself more and more, yes, perhaps people's egos were dented a little bit initially, but they did start to respect me and I didn't get used up so much. In fact, I don't get used up at all. And people kind of well, they're a little bit hesitant to ask you to do things because they know you're capable of saying no, which is good in many ways. So, you know, that's been a a good experience for me. And Michelle did ask in her question, and, you know, most of what I'm saying here is, of course, not to do with Michelle. I'm just extending it to the general things that we all do. But she said, why do I find it difficult to change? And that is because it is because, it, A, it's been such a habit, it's been so many years of conditioning. Quite often there's been like there's a cultural thing that's happened in her family. Perhaps her parents did the same thing. This is the case for all of us now, I'm generalising. Also that it is a little scary to make changes because we do think that people may disapprove of us or they may not like it. And I do happen to know that Michelle's doing a fantastic job already and doesn't actually need this talk because she's very present and has beautiful insight as to moving forward. And that's the case for all of us, you know, that if we work on presence, we keep work on, you know, meditation, our breathing, self-reflection, being in nature, we're not going to miss these beautiful insights like the one Michelle had around that if we are trying to save someone, it reinforces their weakness So, and even just acknowledging that we've got the issue is the first step. It's all you have to do is acknowledge, yes, I'm being a bit of a people pleaser. It's not serving me and I'm being drained because of it and it's not benefiting other people either. And once we acknowledge that with great compassion and just regular honesty, that's the beginning. That's how we start to heal it. And these beautiful insights will come along the way. And another good thing that I often tell clients that are really struggling with this, and that is to never give an answer immediately. So if someone asks you to do something, don't say yes straight away. Say, I'll get back to you. And make that a habit for, well, it might even be useful to keep that habit for a few years. Just say, I'll get back to you. Then go home and sleep on it. And really tune in and notice whether you actually want to do this thing in a wholesome way or whether you're just doing it because you think you should or you need to please people. So it's a really useful thing to try and not give an answer. And and I remember when I was first learning to do this, I actually, probably for a year or two, I had to cancel a number of things because I was still not very good at saying no. But to be honest, for many years now, I haven't had to cancel anything. Well, unless, you know, I've got sick or something. But because I've I've got much better at not taking on what I don't want to take on. And I, and I often don't give answers until I'm really certain about what feels wholesome. And I just want to mention one other thing is that 
people-pleasing is or can be, in fact it probably always is, tied up with our self-esteem and our sense of value. And if, and like I said, you know, there are certain cultures where the only value we are given is in what we can do for other people. And I'm not saying that it's not beautiful to be in service. It absolutely is. And it is beautiful to be a loving, kind being. But when it gets to the point where we are sacrificing ourselves, that's not wholesome. Where we're not listening to what our needs are, where we're not honouring our need to rest or our need to nurture ourselves or, or if some particular thing doesn't really suit us, you know, then we're going to suffer. And, you know, the energy won't be right if we're doing, if we're looking after others or serving others or doing things from the people pleaser or from that sense of I must, it's not going to be wholesome. The energy won't be right for us or for them. So it's really valuable to look at that. And I also want to say that as we learn to stand up for ourselves and be more authentic and say no, in fact, our self-esteem grows. So, and it's because when our soul, when our inner being feels like it's not being looked after because we're not looking after it, it struggles, it suffers. And so when we let our inner being know that we are there to look after it, we are going to be true to it, we are going to nurture it and keep it safe and and also serve and love and be kind to others as well, then we start to grow, then we feel safe, then there's less anxiety, less feeling of being stretched and overwhelmed and pushed and pulled by the world. And I just want to mention teenagers here, you know, and I'm still, you know, I could do a bit less for my teenagers still, but what I have noticed with our children particularly, that if we do too much for them, they just end up with this air of expectation that that's what the world should do, that's what mothers should do, and that's not wholesome. You know, the world isn't going to do much for them and they're going to go out in the world and piss people off because they're going to expect others to do things for them or be grumpy if the world doesn't come to them and look after them. And, you know, we want to foster independence, we want to foster resilience, so we've got to get them doing stuff for themselves. And, you know, if every time they're going through a bit of a rough patch, we decide to do everything for them, or they're cooking or they're cleaning, or, you know, then that's not really what's going to happen in the world when they get out there. So it's not teaching them resilience. Once at a parenting talk, I heard someone say, and I thought this was really good, I heard someone say that we should walk behind our teenagers. So not walk in front of them, doing things for them, Sometimes we can walk beside them. If we do have a teenager that's very anxious or really struggles to, say, talk to their teacher or perhaps go to the bank and organise their banking, if they have got an anxiety condition, sometimes you do need to, you know, be with them and help them along and encourage them. And But on the whole, it's better to walk behind them. Let them do their do what they need to do, whether it's talking to teachers, dealing with friendship difficulties know, speaking to a sports coach, getting their banking sorted out, whatever it is, you know, they need to learn to do that and we can just be there to give them a little bit of guidance or help them initially. And by the way, you know, having experienced this with my own, I've got two young men now, 
you know, sometimes when you are changing patterns, like I was someone that probably did do a little bit too much and then I had to learn to pull back. And of course, when you first are pulling back from doing something, you might get told you're the worst mother in the world and, you know, I hate you and blah, blah, blah. None of which is true, of course. They love us. But we do have to be prepared to put up with that. And that also includes, you know, them picking up all their clothes or emptying their dishwasher or taking their bins out or cleaning their room, whatever. You know, it's up to them to make sure they do those jobs. And you can get told you're a nagging mother. And, and you know, I do, you know, we can also go a bit overboard. And sometimes if we are, like for me, if I've been grumping about something else, I can be a bit naggy. And I need to be aware of that and take responsibility for that. However, it is also okay for me to make sure my children do pick up after themselves and put their dishes in the dishwasher or empty the dishwasher. And and so it's okay to do a bit of what they call nagging. And it's definitely true that as we learn to move on from being a people pleaser or being a people carrier, as I call it, that, you know, we don't necessarily get to be approved of in this life all the time that in fact healing is really about learning how to move beyond the need for external approval and to approve of ourselves internally but you will be surprised that you will be respected and mostly approved of it's just the mind fears it's going to be disapproved of generally not though generally most people will respect you and I just want to mention, you know, one more thing while I'm on this topic and this may take a little bit of time or maybe I'll finish it another day, but to talk about the victim-perpetrator-rescuer triangle. And it's really important to say that this is not about judgment ever, that I personally am still capable of being all of those three, the victim, the perpetrator and the rescuer much less so than I once was many years ago. So it's never about judgment, no matter what stage we're in, whether we're being victim, perpetrator or rescuer. And, you know, I can still be feeling a little bit vulnerable and perhaps not quite clued into that or acknowledging it enough and then take some of that grumpiness out on one of my kids or my hubby And so in that space, I am being the perpetrator. And any time that I am, to talk about victimhood now, any time that I am resisting life, saying, I wish this wasn't happening, then I'm still for that moment being in victim mode. And fairly quickly these days, I do turn that around. But nonetheless, it can still occur and the rescuer. So it still can happen that I will step in and want to give advice or particularly with my children want to mm, give them a little bit too much guidance when they don't need it and it's not making them feel good. And you know that does come from and I didn't mention this earlier but that need to be a rescuer there is ego in it you know and for me it's often been about It's actually been when I've been in a bit of a state of fear and it makes me more fearful for my children and then I will, you know, want to be a bit more controlling or guiding or giving advice when they don't need it and don't want it. And the other aspect of ego that's been in me when I'm trying to be in that rescuer role, I mean the unconscious rescuing role, is 
you know, that that feeling that I know what's right for someone and there's some self-esteem building in that, you know, I know this, you know. And, of course, that's not true at all. What they're doing is right for them. That's that's what is teaching them how to move forward in their life, whatever it is that they are doing and being. And, of course, the greatest gift I can offer anyone is to accept them absolutely as they are. And when it comes to victimhood, you know, it's not about judging that ever. As I said, I am still capable of resisting life or resisting a situation and thinking, why is this happening? But what I know is that at some deep unconscious level, perhaps even more conscious these days, I know I am choosing my life. I know that everything that is happening to me is a necessary part of my learning. And when we're caught in victimhood, and I've really noticed this as a therapist as well, it's very often when we're not feeling good about ourselves, we're not loving ourselves. And I have often seen clients who, because they really are in judgment of perhaps their incapacity in the world, that they have a lot of fear and they haven't managed to do work or haven't managed to do function well in the world for a number of years. There's a lot of self-dislike and it can go with wanting to blame externally, wanting to think that that's been because of other situations or, you know, other people that they're in that situation. And, of course, the way out of that is to realise that we need to treat ourselves with absolute compassion no matter what situation we are caught in and to recognise that healing is our responsibility. You know, it can't be about blame, that it is about if I am fearful and if I am struggling to, you know, get myself functioning in the world, then I deal with that with absolute compassion and I learn to take small steps and move forward with it. Or perhaps it's if I'm caught in a situation that is abusive and where someone is being a perpetrator and I'm the victim, that I learn how to get out of there, you know, how to stand up for myself or to leave or to get help. All of these three situations, victim, perpetrator, rescuer, they are all interrelated and all enable each other. So if we are caught in victim mode, we may be fostering or allowing both rescuing and perpetration. Likewise, as a rescuer, if we are continuing to do that, we will be enabling perpetration and victimhood. So what is the key to stepping out of these patterns? And that is just making them conscious, just becoming present and conscious about them. And it means real honesty and it means great compassion. You know, the only way we heal anything is with great compassion. And those of you that study The Course in Miracles would understand true forgiveness. And I just find that concept so incredibly healing that even, for instance, say we have experienced, you know, significant um, abuse, we have been a victim in a really difficult situation. And of course, we do need to find a way to get out of that and to get help or and in, in fact, we may also need to report that to the police and make sure that person can't harm other beings. But ultimately, at an internal level, this idea of true forgiveness where we recognise that 
everything that is happening here is really a dream. It's a dream that we are experiencing, that no one is worthy of judgment, that everyone really is actually divine love held as this essence of Christ's self, this essence of life, perfectly innocent, whole, safe. And that as we learn to recognise other beings as that worthy, safe, whole, loved, resting as Christ in unconditional love, then we will recognise our own worthiness. So it's not that, and, and that means that brings us closer to being able to rest in that same light. So it's not that we don't get to do in this experience what we need to do, you know, to stand up for ourselves, to even, you know, make sure someone is kept away from the public if they're dangerous or, you know, in terms of rescuing, of course we can help a little old lady across the road if they're struggling with a heavy bag or something, of course we can do that. But it's about making what we do conscious, realising when we are caught up in patterns, never judging at an internal level at least, doing the true forgiveness, recognising that all of us have been on the victim-perpetrator-rescuer cycle, every single one of us. That is no reason to judge. That is just part of this dream experience and in truth we are resting as Christ's divine love, perfectly safe, perfectly whole but also in this experience that we can do the things we need to do that are important, like standing up for ourselves or not enabling behaviours that are not wholesome. And I just want to finish with a beautiful experience or something that came to me in a meditation recently. And, you know, at this moment it's now the 20th of October 2021 and Afghanistan is going through a really rough time and the Taliban has taken over and women are potentially being persecuted and I saw this picture on the news of a, a group of the Taliban men all standing with guns together and it came to me in this meditation to just hold these beings as divine love, as Christ's self, perfectly innocent, perfectly safe because, you know, anyone that is being whatever part of that triad, victim, perpetrator, perpetrator rescuer it is only coming as a cry for love because they feel desperately unloved desperately separate from God's self from soul so the course in miracles also says anything that is not love is a cry for love and I just had this experience of holding these beings the way I know Isaiah would hold them the way I know Jesus would hold them and that is as innocent safe whole loved, divine love. So that's the opportunity with all of this and with any pattern that we may have is to, yes, be honest. Yes, deal with it in this experience in the way it needs to be dealt with and hold it with true compassion, true forgiveness, true love. We are all innocent. We are all worthy. We are all safe. We are all Christ-like. So that's the end of this episode of Spiritual Psychotherapy. I would love more questions, actually, so if you could either message me on Facebook, that's at Living Awareness WA, or send me an email via my website, which is livingawarenesswa.com. 
I would love to respond or if you could join me for a live interview I would love that too. I also do individual therapy and I do group therapy and I run workshops and please check those all out at Living Awareness WA. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends, family, workmates, anyone you think may be interested. Much love to you all.